Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Draft Dudes Podcast. Let's go! And Kyle Krebs, we're your hosts. Chris Schuber floating around, producing this He's thing. not. He's right here. I see him. From the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, the number one spot for all your sports wagering information. Kyle, what do they have? What 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 can you bet on at Bet Uh Anything and everything from NFL, MLB, NBA, the fight, golf, UFC, mixed martial arts, you know, I believe WNBA playoffs. Ray G told us is WNBA playoff time at WNBA season. So, well, I mean, what do you what do you want to do? You want to play Vegas casino games? Mm-hmm. They got the they got the virtual coin slots. Yeah. Might have lost some uh, last time I was up in, in BetOnline.net, but that's it's fine. It's cool. So easy to use website. Yeah, it's super easy to use. Do you like having like a nav bar on the left hand side that you could just pick like what category you want to bid in, and then you just go in there and it'll illustrate everything that I have available to you? Are there any incentives like, if you sign up today for the first time? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure they get what? How much is it? Fifty percent. Fifty. Well, fifty percent bonus promo code believe fifty B L E V five zero. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not a math guy, but you mean Ooh. to tell me? If I put $50 in there, they'll give me an extra $25 just for signing up. Draft dudes do math correctly. <laughs> Bet online. Wow. Where, where the game starts, Kyle. Happy National Oyster Day to you. Let's go. Joe picked the food that I actually consume. That's outstanding. Happy National Oyster Day to you. And Chris, happy National Oyster Day to you as well. Happy National Oyster Day uh, to you guys as well. Did we just decide today of all days that we're just going to our microphone so i have to monitor everybody's levels in like real time is that what we want <laughs> folks i'm just letting you know I, there's nothing i can do about that so kyle's just going off he's going rogue on us today whatever this sounds like it's gonna sound like takes on takes episode 165 66 not really sure uh, where we're at in the process but yeah see now see now kyle turned his mic off now he's just trolling me by turning his mic off so that he's not able to talk big troll that he is chris i maintain my innocence completely i am 100 percent innocent i have not done anything takes on takes i've got a bunch for us here we go episode what episode what uh episode i'm checking for us in the back end here i, I 150 165 jeez okay bet i have a take from tell who again last week you guys had to pick it was let's make a deal. You had three doors mm-hmm. that you could pick from for the take, and then you picked the Warren Moon take. He's he's bounced back with another quarterback related take this week for us. Take Peyton Manning gets no flack for the fact his offenses in Indianapolis averaged twelve point nine points per game in their playoff losses, and the Colts greatly benefited from being in the AFC South as once the division was realigned with Houston joining the Colts. Uh, with Houston joining the Colts, began their twelve plus win dominance. Taking a shot at Peyton Manning to start us here. 
out on take one things. I don't feel inclined to do this. <laughs> I don't. Player. <laughs> Peyton's a great player. <laughs> now, sure, there there was the slow start to playoff success with Peyton Manning. I think we can agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the Took a while to get over the hump, but once they did, they had some great playoff runs. They obviously won the Super Bowl with Indianapolis. They won another with Denver. Did they get propped up by the Texans? Houston was pretty good initially. Like the Matt Schaub, Andre Johnson, Texans were pretty solid. If we're going to talk about quarterbacks getting propped up, and I, and I know that it's don't weird. Don't even say his name. Don't even say his name. The guy who's in Tampa now. You, okay. you don't think he benefited from the yes. crap that was below him? We all know that. That's why we're not bringing it up. We're just going to move on. Right. We're not going there. We're we're moving on. The Discord. And by the way, if you're not signed up for TD and Premium and part of the Discord, what are you doing? What are you doing? We had happy hour last night. What are you even night. doing? What a time. The first happy hour before an NFL game with the Hall of Fame game. We had a good time. Uh, doing that last night. Got the Football Fridays coming up later today. You got all sorts of content on our Discord if you join TD and Premium. So head on over to thedraftnetwork.com and do so. Sam's got a take for us. And this one, I'm going right to Kyle Krabs right out of the gate here. I need Kyle's instant reaction to this take. Christ. Based on where they are at right now as prospects, this is an incorrect take. Is a better quarterback than Will Levis. Yeah, Jaron Hall is the quarterback from BYU who's a really, really fun player. He's uh, kind of a two-way threat. He's a good athlete. He can run. He's got like that baseball-type arm where he can throw from all those different kinds of platforms and on the move and uh, has some some really nice physical tools, but he's an older player. Uh, I did think from a decision-making perspective, he was – uh, somebody who has some growth, and and I think Will is exponentially a more physically gifted prospect. And I understand Will is is a little raw around the edges too, and he needs to be more consistent this year. But uh, no, uh, projecting them forward and here and now, you could give me Will Levis. I'd take Will Levis in both. Joe. I- I, I haven't I watched nothing. all. He, he's he's completely uncompelled. Yeah, he's yeah, he's just. I, I like Will Levis a lot. Uh, would be surprised if I like Jaron Hall more, but I haven't watched Hall yet. So, this take from Michael G. If Tyler Linderbaum, who was a generational talent at center, couldn't go in the top twenty, no center will go in the top twenty in a long. Time. Tyler Linderbaum was not a generational right. talent. They're, right, he was not a generational talent. He's a really good prospect that had plenty of reasons to push him down the board tell me more joe Let, let's contextualize that because we both had a pretty immediate reaction to say no we don't we didn't view him in that light so kind of a fringe there will be teams and there were teams i'm sure that had questions about tyler's ability to play in their specific system or to match up one-on-one against nose tackles right mm-hmm. and baltimore is a team they get extra numbers in the box because of Lamar's ability to run. So it's more climb second level flow and win in space in the screen game as compared to, Hey, we're going to line up and it's going to be, we're going to run power. We're going to run inside zone and we're looking for vertical displacement in the run game. Team, teams that looked at Tyler like that, I think probably did not like the projection as 
as richly. And as a result, uh, you saw Tyler fall into the 20s. So I think it was more about Tyler's stature and specificity, especially when you foil it to uh, the player most recently who had a similar profile, which is Garrett Bradbury, who has not found success in the NFL. And I think Tyler's a better prospect. But um, I think the, to be a generational center talent, you probably have to be a universal center talent, right? You probably got to be 315 uproot guys, one-on-one, and also then have the range to get outside the numbers and you know play in the run game and, and, have lateral displacement as well. Oh, and be really good in, in pass protection and, and snap consistency and all that kind of stuff. This take from uh, the sports dot take, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this in depth on the show because Joe and I were derailed by the report of the dolphins and the tanking and tampering take Matt Corral will be the Panthers starting quarterback before the season's end. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think there, there's a couple of reasons here. I think first of all, I'm I'm excited about Baker Mayfield, and I'm excited what Baker Mayfield's gotten done in the NFL to this point. And I think he represents the clear best option for Carolina this year. And so I think first of all, Baker Mayfield's there, and so barring injury, I think he's going to take hold of that job. Uh, the other part of it is Matt Corral and, and his own limitations where. It's a big, big jump for him coming from Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin's offense to what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL under Ben McAdoo. And he and, said as such. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you saw that quote or not, but he like he kind of said like yeah, kind of in hindsight, going to that offense is probably the easy way out as far as prepping me for the next level. Yeah, and even within that, there was warts with how he saw the field, some of the the deep ball placement, you know, creativity. There's things you like about Matt Carell, but. I thought he went in a very appropriate range in the third round. I agree. Let's take from Matthew, different Matthew than the Matthew from before. We got two Matthews, this one from Matthew Turner. Take the Green Bay Packers will be the four seed in the NFC this year. The depleted wide receiver core will hold the team back massively, but they will still win the NFC North in the title game against the Lions in week 18 to go 10 and seven. I think they can seed higher than the NFC East winner. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the I think we came to the ceiling for the NFC East team probably being eleven is what we were comfortable with, right? Yeah, most. So you know, and if, if you're ten and seven, then yeah, you're in that neck of the woods. But I would probably lean into the East team being the four seed. Hey, hey, Joe, do you know what doesn't have a ceiling? The Sonos Ray. Sound bar, phenomenal sound bar that is sitting on my mantle right now. Love using it. Loved using it for the first time watching football last night during the Hall of Fame game. It is a, an exceptional speaker, just the, the booming bass, how crystal clear it sounds, and how easy it is to send up, set up and control courtesy of the Sonos app. You can use your own remote control. You just plug it in, follow the prompts. It's super, super easy, and it just makes your football watching experience better. It's going to make listening to podcasts and music better. Check it out for yourself. Visit Sonos.com to shop for the Ray now. Let's take from J-Rod NFL Draft in the TDN. Uh, What's up, J-Rod? My guy. 
take. You gonna see? Are you seeing J Rod today, Joe? By the way, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, making the trip to to uh, Spartanburg for Panthers camp. Love to see him. Take a healthy J.C. Horn makes the Panthers one of the best young secondaries in the NFL. Yeah, I hope so. Right? I mean, they're, they've loaded up on on corner talent with Henderson and Horn and bringing back Dante Jackson. They've got some young players that got experience at, at corner as well. Jeremy Chin's back there. Uh, Kenny Robinson. I'm uh, you know I'm optimistic on. They got a lot of really young players, and and that's somewhat of a concern. You want to have a, maybe a little bit more know-how and veterans in the room back there, but they have a really nice collection of young DBs to go with some guys up front. And defensively, I mean, the team's in pretty good shape, right? I mean, they were good defense last year. Um, I think they can round out their depth in some areas, but I think there's a lot to be said about the young talent that the Panthers have in the secondary. Follow-up question for you here, Joe. Isn't this kind of – the concern that everybody has about the Panthers is that like, yeah, on paper, there's talent up and down on both sides of the ball, but like coaching staff direction front office, like where they're trying to take this team. And, and that's really the question more so than there's a talent. Cause I think we get lost in all oh, Panthers bad, but it's not so maybe necessarily the guys on, on the depth chart on paper. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. I don't think this is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I don't, I think it's at least an average roster. Maybe some areas you wish it was a little deeper and, you know, there's upgrade areas. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a bonafide playoff roster. But the the question that I have, and, and that's what I said about the, the Panthers this year in, in the whole quarterback thing was like, do I really trust Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo to be the guy that's going to develop this rookie quarterback in a, in a make or break year for them? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust this, this coaching staff and, and not, it, there's, there's, things that we've heard that leads us to believe that, but also just look at the manifestation of it. When you watch football games, you can tell that they're over, they're overmatched on a weekly basis. They, they say goofy comments all the time. I mean, even the team uh, provided content, it just doesn't give you a great feel about the leadership for this football team. And, and so I think that's going to be a stumbling block for Carolina. And that's probably going to keep a lot of people hesitant to fully buy in on what they've assembled on paper. I and I was kind of saving it for late in the show because I didn't want it's, it to get super. It's depressed. a, it's a you take or it's a take from someone else. It's a food to take from somebody else. Okay. And I think this is going to spawn a whole conversation. It's why I left it for the, the back half of the show. Take, and this is from our good friend Dolphins Chris. Ice cream cake must, and he put must in bold, must be eaten with a spoon you can eat it with a fork yeah i'm indifferent on this completely indifferent as compared like another utensil or with your hands like what <laughs> is there any further context on like what alternative he's looking to eliminate from your options for how to eat ice cream cake i think this is an anti-fork take I think this is a don't eat cake with a fork, at least ice cream cake. And I just could not disagree more. I actually, I want to take this take a step further. This is a me take. This is a personal take. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring this up. Okay. You should not eat macaroni and cheese with a spoon. Unacceptable. And I know people who do that. They, they use the spoon to eat macaroni and cheese. Unacceptable. 
I don't I don't have strong opinions about this. I don't eat spaghetti with a spoon. Like I feel strongly about that, but mac and cheese pasta. Are you a tw- are you a twirler for spaghetti? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not one of those people that twirls it in a spoon. You ever seen this? It's like serial killer behavior. Is, bro, like yeah, I'm not in on that at all. No, like, yeah, you just, just use the, you put the your plates fork, perfectly. Stick it in the middle and then, twist yeah. it around and then you twink, bring the thing up and twist it in the air until there's no loose ends hanging off and you shove the whole thing in your mouth. Right. Uh, Chris, what what's the anti-spoon mac and cheese? Is it like, where where is that rooted for you? That well, that's such a vehement like offensive thing to do to use a spoon to eat mac and like cheese. Like it's not a, it's not a soup. We're not like funnel. Like it's, it's a food. It's to be consumed. Like, it's not like you, you take a bite of mac and cheese. You don't like funnel the mac and cheese in. Like it's a soup. That's so do you believe in, are you a spoon? Spoons are only for soups and cereals. Like does it have Correct. to be like a, a liquid based food or else everything else has to be done with a fork? Correct. If it, if it has a liquid base in any capacity spoon, anything else use a fork. So if I can take it out of its package and I can sit it on the table by itself and it's not just going to like spill and like the ice cream cake, for example, then that's a fork consumption item for you. I would, yes, I would largely agree with that being the, the premise that I live my life by. To bring this back to full circle. So what it, the, for me, the, the fork with ice cream cake is like the, um, what's the videos with the sound where it's supposed to be like this, like deeply satisfying, like stimulus. Do you know what these are? Are you talking? What? Like, Say that again. There's like videos that you listen to just for the sound because oh, it's supposed ASMR. to be like please. Yes. ASMR. Yes. Yes. That's what I thought it, you were referencing, like, but I didn't want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. It's like it's not my scene, right? But like I let people like things, so it's fine. But it's like. That with like leaving the grooves of the fork in the ice cream cake is that equivalent for me. Wow. Mm, okay. Like to leave the tracks of the fork in the ice cream yeah, yeah, cake yeah. is very appealing. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Chris, I, I do don't... have a question here for Please. you. Do you have particular takes about when you eat quinoa? Like, do you, is that a fork? Oh, oh yeah. How do you yeah. do quinoa? How do you do yeah, yeah. You, you ready for You ready for a big take? Yeah. Quinoa's bad. Extremely overrated. Yeah, extremely overrated. Yeah, that, that's inaccurate, but I knew that's where you were going with it. Yeah, it's no, fine. So I, I don't I'll let people I don't dislike use, things. I don't use a utensil for quinoa because I don't put quinoa in the house. So I think quinoa's good. Couscous, phenomenal. Couscous is banging. Super good, bro. Super good. Let's go. Chris, are you a couscous guy? No, I'm not a couscous guy. But do you eat rice with a spoon? Like that's the kind of that's the kind of no, you eat rice with chopsticks, duh. Or, yeah, or with a fork. Like you don't use a spoon. I very rarely use a spoon. I use a spoon to stir my coffee. Again, another acceptable use for a spoon. I don't think that that... Because it's a liquid base. Because it's, again, liquid liquid base. base. Okay, Chris, I got one more for you. Okay. Jello. You could take it out of the package and it'll stay... No, you use a fork. You use a fork. It's... It's not... It's not a liquid. It's a solid. Like, that's the definition of science right there. That is... That is a solid. Okay, so I was just testing your 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 boundaries in life, and you've very clearly made it apparent that that that's a boundary for you. I disagree. I'd use a spoon for Jello, but I can't tell you the last time I had Jello that wasn't a Jello shot. 
I'm questioning a yeah, lot of things you, right now. You know what? It's a great point, Joe. I think once you pass a certain age, the only time there's Jello consumed is if <laughs> right. like you have a child, you have a small child, and that's just in the house yes. as a snack or as a Jello shot. There's no really in between on that scale. <laughs> half half of my meals are just my daughter's leftovers every day. Right. So I eat two dinners. I eat my own, and then whatever she doesn't eat, I end up eating. <laughs> I I have two more football takes for Let's us. Let's get great. This if anyone's still here. Me. This take from no, I think they like when we do this. I think they. I, I got a tweet. The on, riffs. Th- I got a tweet on uh, yesterday, Thursday, about how gr- how elite of a watermelon take we had the other day. So people mm. like when we go off the wall. Okay. Okay. Take from Andrew Noah Sewell is the light version of Micah Parsons. Sewell can play edge as well as, if not better, than linebacker. No, I don't think I agree. I I do think there's a very compelling case for Noah Sewell to be the top linebacker in this year's class, though. I know the the popular name right now is Trenton Simpson from Clemson, and, and he's an electric, dynamic player. And I, I'm going to have both of those guys graded in my top 25 prospects when my top version of a big board drops. But Noah plays legitimate sackbacker, where Trenton is more of a space player and kind of a hybrid, movable piece. He's Noah, uh, but if you're looking for an actual stack backer at the next level, I think that's where Noah can hang his hat as a player. And that's kind of how I identify him. Not to say he's not valuable in some of those reps where they, they walk him up off the edge, but they do some really fun stuff with that where they'll spy him and he drops out of one side of the formation and he'll trace all the way across the other side to play like a buzz coverage or something like that and um, make some some plays and occupy some throwing lanes and disrupt some some passing windows. So uh, he certainly has passing down value. I don't think he's this stiff, straight-line sledgehammer play on third downs. This last take that I have for us is a lengthy one. Maybe hmm. a notepad, pen, or pencil might be handy for this to understand what at Joe at work 87 has for you guys here today, Okay. Joe, that's a is that his Twitter handle? Joe at work eighty seven. Yes, that's phenomenal. That's you phenomenal. think he's at work when he submits his takes? Yeah, yeah. This is just be. a guy that go, that's bullshitting on on Twitter at work all day, passing time. And he's like, well, I'm just gonna have a handle to, to match it. I love. I it. appreciate you waiting until like the twenty five minute mark of the show for me to use the explicit tag. Like I, we were doing so well throughout the whole show. Now I got to tag because you, you cursed. I'm gonna do no, it for you. It couldn't be. You. What do you, you do? You never. click a button. Have I burdened you that deeply? Yeah, no, I just leave it in. And <laughs> I don't do any editing. Have I burdened you that deeply? <laughs> you click a button. Okay. Oh, no. Joe's, Joe's take. Anyone who has ever scouted football will tell you that they have one or two positions they're particularly good at. Former Packers GM Ted Thompson historically found wide receiver after wide receiver in later rounds because he was so good uh, at assessing the position. Take. With more teams moving to virtual settings for both scouting and interviewing, teams should move away from the model of having regional scouts to having positional scouts. So instead of having a West Coast scout, an SEC scout, a Midwest scout, etc., they should have a quarterback scout, a run game scout, a front seven scout, etc. Why force someone who's great at scouting DBs to spend only 10% of their time doing what they do best when they can simply look at the position that they know the best? I think this was very good. appreciate Joe bringing this to the table, and I'll let you guys discuss. Man, there's a lot to get into. Yeah, I, I first of, yeah, I first of all really don't think the um, you're ever gonna get fully virtual with your scouting. I think, I, I think you, there's such a benefit of being there, getting to know people, getting 
getting to see body types in person, like all of that's very, very meaningful. And so I, I, I think that will continue to be preserved in the NFL, right? So I don't think it'll ever be virtual enough to make the non-regional piece of it make sense. But um, it, I, I, um, I, I respect where he's coming from, and I certainly feel that way about myself where I feel better about my ability to get to certain positions. But I think you still, you still have that opportunity within your structure for guys that maybe are better at certain areas to kind of work and cross-check those particular guys. Because even if you're a regional scout, you're, you're still going to have to cross-check some guys. And so maybe you tap into that piece of it a, a little bit and say, hey, we've got – you're the West Coast scout, and we've got somebody in the Southeast here, and we want you to look at the corners. And so you kind of tap into it through that. So I don't, I don't think you'll ever see this fully happen. I, I really don't. I think my biggest concern with this is more the valuations that you're giving. So what I mean by that is, is this. If you have one person that grades quarterbacks and another person that grades wide receivers, and they want to give an 8-0, or they want to give a 7-2, or they want to give – um, a 92 as the grade as just a couple of different examples from different, different scoring outlets here. And want to make sure that I'm vague enough that the football FBI doesn't come knocking on our doors or anything like that. But um, what is a 92 for me versus what is a 92 for Joe? when we're looking at different positions and that for me, like when it comes time to put those names on the board, yes, you put them in buckets you put them in tiers and then the tiers of your comfort level to make decisions. But how can I horizontally scan all the best players available, knowing that the criteria and the inherent definition that exists for Joe versus Keith versus Brentley versus Damian versus Kyle for what an 80 is going to be a little different. And we have a couple of your sample size of this, where we have, players that we see differently and everybody has their own respective wins and losses as it pertains to the valuation component, but you get a big enough sample size and you can see the discrepancy that exists within the average grade that each of our scouts gives out. And when you are an operation as big as the NFL and you're constantly having personnel changes and system changes and communications as far as, no, you've got entry-level scouts that you have to educate and train. And then you have hierarchy changes when people leave. That's so much structure you now have to figure out if you're going to put people into individual position bubbles to give you the proper perspective on the class that you need when it comes time to actually make decisions. And that, for me, is the barrier that like I would never be able to get past as it pertains to this type of evaluation model or approach. Good discussion. Point, I, though. Oh, no, nobody had anything on that. No, huh? I, I agree with you. I feel. And, and we, I mean, even right now, as we work through summer scouting and working through some of the more challenging players and, and how you're going to project things forward and putting them in initial buckets, it's like, everybody has a different appetite for different things. And I think you, you make a really good point about making sure going back to the consistency and, and criteria is, is really, really important to get that complete picture. So I, I liked, I like the angle you had there. Cool. Well, Chris, I believe that's it for the. That is it. Takes on takes episode 165 in the book.
in the books. Thanks to our friends at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. And thanks to all of you who tuned in this week for Draft Dudes. We hope you will tune in again next week. Kyle Krabs, Joe and Chris Schubert. Make it a great weekend, and we will talk with you all again on Monday. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.